Hello and welcome to the Unstoppable Joy Podcast, your roadmap to a joy-filled life. I'm your host, Catherine McAdam. I'm a nurse practitioner, single mom, worship leader, and a Christian minister who has also experienced the heartache of a marriage to a drug addict, divorce, and homelessness. Most of all, I'm an overcomer who can completely understand what you're going through and speak life into your situation. It is my desire to bring hope and encouragement that you too can live a life of unstoppable joy no matter what life hands you. I'm not here to give you pat answers and cliche scripture verses. I'm here to honestly share with you the mindset hurdles and the spiritual and emotional barriers I had to overcome on my journey to becoming a comeback queen. I believe as I share my story and those of my guests, you too will be able to find your unstoppable joy. So pull up a chair, grab your favorite beverage, and let's get started. Hello, lovely souls, and welcome to the Unstoppable Joy podcast. I have with me today, Dr. Michelle Marie Lappin. She is a wealth coach. She is an author. She is uh, a podcast host, and I just want to welcome her to the show today and talk about finances. Um, I want her to tell us a little bit about her story because she is an overcomer and um, that's kind of our champion here um, on the Unstoppable Joy podcast. And so welcome. Thank you for joining us. I am so happy to be here. It's such a pleasure um, and an honor to just have the opportunity to share um, a little bit about my story in hopes that it will encourage somebody. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me a little bit about your background. So you are, um, you have your PhD, is that right? ZBA, Doctorate of Business Administration, but it's essentially the equivalent of a PhD. Okay. And so tell me how you, uh, tell me how you started out. Tell me your background. (laughs) Um, So basically... I'll go back to when I was very young. Um, there's a, a lot with that, but, you know, lots of moves back and forth, multiple states, you know, family issues, lost a brother at a young age, um, ended up in abusive relationship. And long story short, I had to get away. So I ended up... Um, dropping out of high school halfway through my senior year and uh, going back to Pennsylvania where my dad lived and where I was originally from and just trying to figure my life out. Um, You know, tried kind of uh, doggy paddle swimming for a couple of years of my life there and eventually decided to join the military. You know, because, you know, that's just a random thing that people do, right? And I essentially spent about 10 years in the military. I originally was reserve, and um, then I did a number of years active as well. Uh, During that process, I ended up uh, having a son. And about, when he was about a year and a half old, I was uh, involuntarily reclassified to a truck driver and was deployed to Iraq, where I had the pleasure of driving uh, fuel trucks and flatbeds with, uh, you know, things on it to take resources from base to base. Um, I went through different seasons, you know, in my life of multiple types of challenges while 
my son's father and I were both military and things didn't quite work out between the two of us. And without making it too complicated, um, kind of felt like the best thing for my son was for him to be with his dad. And so because we were both military and there was lots of moves back and forth, he primarily lived with his dad in Texas, right? So I had a lot of time on my hands and I was like, what do I do with this time? How, you know, it, it was either sulking in my uh, mess or find a way to occupy my time so that I didn't do that, right? And, and don't be wrong, we still had those days. Uh, but I decided to go to school and further my, or because I had ended up getting my GED, you know, before I joined the military, because you have to have either a GED or a diploma. Mm -hmm. So I decided to go to college and mostly did everything online while I was still in the military. And at one point I got moved uh, to Virginia and basically got to a point where I just was tired of the military. I had got my master's degree by that time and I was tired of the military and I just decided I needed, I needed to be done. And so I had some medical things going on as well. A um, couple of surgeries and stuff like that. So I just let the process work itself out and I was medically discharged. And I thought that because I had a master's degree and I had over 10 years of administrative experience that I was going to get this amazing job and everything was going to be great. And so I ended up buying a house before I got out of the military. And well, less than three years later, I landed in a financial pit mm -hmm. and realized I was in over my head and was facing um, foreclosure and bankruptcy and the potential for homelessness. And the only option I had was to walk through a short sale. So for those who don't know what a short sale is, you basically allow, you ask the bank to accept less than the full value of the house. And you, it, it's a lesser version of a foreclosure. So it hurts you a little bit, but not as much as a foreclosure does. And you can avoid a bankruptcy, right? Mm -hmm. um, ended up walking through that. I still had to find an apartment, which was not easy to do. And I found an apartment in like an income-based environment and I still was struggling financially. So I found myself sitting in a food bank and that was a whole conversation I had to have with God about why I was there. And there were some eye-opening moments on that. Um, we can get to that if you want to bring that <laughs> up later. Um, that was that that was definitely a very eye-opening, a humbling experience. Um, I through through the help of the Lord and just that motivation to you know how the heck do I get out of this situation? How do I recover from this and never let this happen again? I started figuring things out and working on things in my finances, getting debt paid off, you know, figuring out how to manage my money better, you know, saving money, things like that, and completely transformed my entire life um, to the point where I was helping other people. I was talking to people about it, ended up in this, you know, basically in this place where I was talking to so many people and helping people that everyone was like, why aren't you doing this as a business? And I'm like, I don't know. Um, the interesting thing is 
as I was having these conversations with people, I had just recently before that decided to, <laughs> okay, I didn't just decide. The Holy Spirit directed me to go back to school for my doctorate after I had said three years earlier that I would never go back to school. And then I was <laughs> don't say never about anything. Okay, guys. <laughs> um, so I'm, you know, in a year into my doctoral program and everyone's like, why aren't you doing this as a business? And I'm like, I don't know, never thought of that before. Lo and behold, a good friend of mine uh, was starting her own business as a business coach who actually is Miss Tamara, the main author, the publisher, the, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the, the guru, yeah. uh, you know, got us with this, the anthology, um, book, but anyways, um, you know, she, she basically I came, you know, came to her and sat at the table at, at something that she was doing and, that was a little over five years ago. And yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much how I got here. Wow. So there must have been obviously times where you felt like giving up. What kept you going? There have been plenty of times. Um, and I'm not going to lie, there are still moments today that I have that thought process. And um, the biggest thing that keeps me going, it, it's kind of hard to explain in words. I apologize for any noise in the background, by the way, if you hear it, apparently there's people uh, doing gardening outside and <laughs> I didn't expect that. Um, okay. they're, they're blowing the leaves and stuff. And I'm like, okay, um, sorry. <laughs> um <laughs> So I, it is hard to explain completely or, or put it in exact words, but there's just, just something inside of me. It's always been there. Even before um, I really knew who Christ was, there was always something inside of me that said, this can't be it. This can't be what your life is going to be like. Don't, every, everybody around me just kept saying, that's just the way life is. You just got to learn to deal with it. You just got to learn to let it go, right? Like all the time, people, oh, just let it go. Just deal with it. That's just, you know, you know, it's just life. Something inside of me always said, that's not okay. It's not good enough. This, there's something better. This is not, don't accept this standard because that's not good enough for you. And it's not to say, you know, that it wasn't in like a prideful or arrogant way. It was a don't accept mediocre. Don't accept the um, the chaos that's around you. You know, life can be better than this. Mm -hmm. And the only way I know how to explain it is it's God. It's the, it was the Holy Spirit inside of me just giving me this sense of don't give up. Don't give up. Don't mat. Don't. It, yes, it's hard. Go ahead and cry, scream, you know, whatever you got to do. Have your moment to sit in bed all day, whatever. But get up. Mm -hmm. Keep going. Figure it out. Yeah. Ask the questions. Do the research. Keep trying. Yeah. So tell me about your walk with 
the Lord. I'm I'm intrigued. When did you when did you find or when did you start uh, your relationship with God really take off? So that's so when it really took off. Um, I remember the day that I technically rededicated my life to Christ. It was December twentieth, two thousand nine. Um, I remember I have a vague memory of my young teenage years where they used to come around with the school bus on Sundays and, or the church bus on Sundays and, um, you know, take us to take, take the neighborhood kids to church or whatever. And I remember one day, you know, saying the Lord's prayer, I didn't really know what it was and we never really, um, continued with anything. Right. Mm -hmm. So I do believe that was the first time of me accepting Christ. I think I was maybe 11 or 12 years old at the time. But and I, I always believed in God, but I never really like knew fully knew Christ until December of 2009. Um, prior to that, I had a situation where my son's father and I were together and he was being restationed to what they call in the military PCS permanent change, permanent change of station. And it was my, the, the idea was we were going to stay together, but I wasn't quite able to move yet because I was also in the military and we were different. Um, we weren't, we weren't married and we were different branches. And so they don't accommodate you in those types of situations. Right. Mm -hmm. So basically I had to wait until my orders were done and hope that I got orders near where he was. And we had this arrangement where my son was going to be down there for a little while because he had family near where he was being stationed. And I didn't have that near where I was. And so I went with this thought process that within, within a year I was going to be moving down there and everything was going to be good. And we were going to stay together. Well, not even three months after my son's resituated down there um, by myself in a, in a different state um, he decided that he no longer wanted to be with me. Mm. And my son was already down there with him. And I lost it <laughs> to say the least. Um, like <laughs> just, I, I visually I'm seeing the emotions. I'm picturing the moment that I found out and and how I was thinking and how I was acting, I mean, just completely distraught, hysterical, everything. And I called one of my leaders that was um, from the military and told them what was going on and everything. And basically, they invited me to church. And this was actually in September of that year, September of um, of 2009. So he invited me to church with his family. And so I was like, okay, sure. At this point, what do I have to lose, right? <laughs> And so over the next couple of months after that, I kept going back. I maybe not didn't go every single week, but I just kept going back. And one day in December 2009, it was one of those services that the Holy Spirit took over and it was just worship, like the entire service. And I just felt this, just something come over me. Totally cannot explain it in any way shape or form anybody who's experienced it they know it they know what I mean they just can't articulate mm -hmm. it well enough right but I just felt prompted to go to the front and just give it all to him and I was just like I don't know what to do 
I don't know where I'm headed, but take it, help me. Mm-hmm. And from that day forward, it's been a journey. I've had my moments and it, you know, <laughs> it, you know, it took a while to like figure things, figure certain things out. And, and I haven't been perfect. I'm still not perfect. And we, we, none of us are right. Mm-hmm. But from that day on, I have refused to uh, stop trying to live for the Lord because ever since then, even though there's been challenging situations, even though things have happened that I didn't love um, and that were really hard, um, I being in a relationship with the Lord and having him guide my life has been better despite some of the challenges I've still dealt with than without him. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I, I, I totally get that. I have been pressed against the wall. It's the only way I can describe it is like, you know, cornered. Mm-hmm. And my only option is, well, are you going to trust me or not? So like, if I trust him, that means I have open communication with him. I'm at peace with him him being God, if I don't trust him, then I'm just out here on my own. Like what, like, like, it's kind of like a no brainer because like, if I don't trust you and I push you away, God, and I'm angry with you because I'm in this situation that I don't have the support that I need (laughs) to get through the situation. So yeah, I totally get it. And I, I, I've had my ups and downs too. I share a lot on my podcast about you know, the times where I was about, you know, ready to throw in the towel with as far as my relationship with God goes and, and how he intervened. And um, I'm always encouraged to hear other people's stories about how God touched them, how God reached down and, and moved in their life. So, so what's happening today in your life? What, what's, what are, what is God doing um, through Dr. Michelle today? Oh, today, um, I mean, I, you know, of course, I'm working with my clients, helping them, you know, to change their financial situation. I work with people who are usually I'm working with people who are headed in the direction of where I went, but not quite there. And I help them to redirect so that they don't end up in the same pit that I was in. Okay. Right. Um, I am guiding them on how to properly manage or effectively manage their money, how to get debt paid off in a more reasonable manner, how to save money, things like that. But more so addressing the uh, mindset and the habits that factor into that, right? Mm -hmm. Because the bottom line is I can give you all the tools and resources there is out there. I can tell you how to set up the budget. I can tell you how to do your debt plan, give you all that information and you can start working it. But if you don't address the roots of why you got in a place that you were in, in the first place, you're going to end up right back there in the long run. It's with Mm -hmm. anything else in our lives. You have to address the root, resolve it and set things in motion, put things in place so that you don't end up doing those things again, right? Mm-hmm. So we work, we work through a lot of that um, in the coaching program that I'm in. On top of that, um, I still work a full-time job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What do you do? 
I work for the government. <laughs> so I currently work as a civilian for the Navy. Um, it's funny because I just got a new role and um, basically it's, it's called workload forecasting. And it's a really, I can't go into specific details, of course, because of, you know, security concerns or whatever, but it's funny because what we're doing is we're predicting stuff in the future based on um, certain budgeted numbers. And there's so many correlations to finances that I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is, this is mind blowing. And I never thought that I'd be doing like something similar, right? Um, so it's really interesting, but right now what it's doing, is there are still some things that I'm working on paying off. I did have to get a new car last year and my son had to get a new car the month after ha I had to get a new car and he's in college now. And so there's things with that. So I'm working on taking care of paying uh, some things off and I have a goal that I'm working toward that within the next two to three years, I will be able to leave that full-time job. Um, so yeah, and then outside of that, um, just parenting an adult child, which nobody warns you that that is actually the hardest season of parenting because you have no control over what they do, no matter yeah. what. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like, um, so I have a Jack Russell, and he's 14. Oh. And um, my husband, my new husband, he has um, a, an old dachshund who is 15. And so we say that we have two grumpy old men that live in our house. And whatever you want them to do, you have to convince them it was really their idea in the first place. And I think the same is true for <laughs> for um, young adults. Oh, and, that um, makes sense. Yes, yes. They, <laughs> they are a challenge of their own. Yes. But yeah. um yeah. yeah. What? How? So you you have a good relationship with your son? I have a pretty good relationship. That, that's the ironic thing. Like, I was so afraid when you know I I knew deep down that it was best. It was the best decision to let him be raised by his father. Um, but it was really hard. Mm -hmm. It was so hard as a mom. Like it hurt me to not have him with me every day. Right. Yeah. But. He needed some stuff from his father. Um, and don't mind the the corner here. This is just my little uh <laughs> he has to be in my lap all the time. Oh my goodness. Um <laughs> so um he needed certain things from his father that I couldn't give him, right? And he also, because of my deployment, he was a year and a half old when I went on my deployment. Mm. And he was with his father. Yeah, at that yeah. time at a critical time in his life. And then it was his father and I together for a couple of years after that. Right. And so when we split up and he went, or when he went with his dad to Texas, cause his dad changed duty station. And then we split up, it was him and his dad for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. So he's had such a close relationship with his dad for so many years that it's, it's been hard to kind of like, you can't you can't separate that right and I, I would never want to right so I had to figure out how do I be the best parent I can be from afar mm -hmm. because I've still been in a different state and 
I, I did everything I possibly could. I was always available for him the best as possible, you know, um, answer the phone at three in the morning when he called for something random when he should have been sleeping, like, <laughs> you know, things like that. Um, just always trying to figure out how do I still be the best parent that I can be despite the situation. Right. Yeah. And we have our challenges still like any parent child relationship, but we still have a very thriving relationship today, despite the distance, because mm -hmm. I've always made sure that he knew I'm still here and I'm still active in your life and mm -hmm. I'm doing everything I possibly can to support you. Yeah. Well, thank you for, I mean, thank you and thank you to your son, because I think that military families, they give up so much mm -hmm. and we don't even, we don't even realize it. You know, we have no idea the sacrifices that are made on a daily basis, you know, families, you know, you sacrificed for our country to, you know, fight for our freedoms and the things that we enjoy every day. Um, and, you know, your son and being away from him and, and not having those years of bonding with him is part of that. And um, yeah. thank you for that. That's what, a that's awesome. Yeah. Wow. So if I have been in, I have been in the situation that you were in where, you know, I, the first time around, um, I say the first time around, cause I went through it twice. Um, uh, my, my ex-husband within the first year of our marriage, um, became a, a heroin addict mm -hmm. and we went through all kinds of, um, counseling and detox and prayer and, um, deliverance and all kinds of things, medical detox, medical, um, methadone treatment. Um, he basically started writing by a checks on account that I had just put him on. We ended up having to surrender a vehicle. I mean, we were in a freaking mess financially, um, before he went away to, um, rehab. He was away for an entire year, um, for a, a drug rehab in a Christian in-house program. Um, and so I sold what we had left and moved down to Alabama cause that's where he was. Um, and so, um, rebuilding after that. Um, and then the second time around, um, he got back into everything and I was in the midst of nursing school and, um, he had gotten very, um, started getting abusive. And so, um, long story short, I fled with my kids and that's how I ended up being homeless. Um, thank goodness my sister took us in. Otherwise, I don't know where we would be. Um, but again, I lost my home. I mean, we, in one day, you know, the kids lost their dad too, you know, cause we, we, we fled, you know, we left our, had to give our dog away. We, you know, we lost our home. They lost most of everything that they had. Um, and we just, we lived with my sister until I finished school and um, then got our own place. So, you know, the whole like rebuilding process and, you know, um, thank goodness um, my credit wasn't completely destroyed the second time around, but like having to rebuild and thank God he's provided for me um, financially. But what, what is the one, one thing that you would say, or the first thing that anyone needs to do um, to start the rebuilding process of if they find themselves in a um, financial ruin or near ruin? Uh, first thing I would say is um, evaluate and know this. We don't want to do this. I know it's so hard. Sometimes it can be complex, it can be frustrating, it can be overwhelming. 
we have to evaluate what's going on with our finances. Sometimes if it's too emotional, you got have somebody sit down with you and, and go through it. Ask, ask a friend that you trust and say, look, I need to go through this. I'm going to get frustrated with it. So I need someone to sit there with me and help me see things, help me put stuff together and just be there and, and be that emotional support for me. You know, set out, you know, an hour or two hours to sit down with that person and, you know, try to figure it out. Do the best that you can to first prioritize your four walls. If you don't know what the four walls are, that's um, shelter, transportation, food, and utilities. Those are your main priorities. When you have a dire financial situation like that, those are the four things you focus on. Everything else can be figured out later because you need a roof over your head. You need to eat. you got to get to your job and you need your lights as well as gas if that's you know, required for where you live. Mm -hmm. Those, those are the things that you have to have. Okay. If you can make room for some other things, great. Try to figure out the best priorities with the other things that you have, your cell phone, internet, right? Mm -hmm. Now I will say that when it comes to transportation, your car insurance and your, your, your car payment, car insurance and fuel for your vehicle kind of all go together in that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and your, your, the food, if you have to go to a food bank, mm -hmm. I'm telling you, I know it is emotionally humbling, but that's what they're there for. Yep. yep. They're here to help you. And if you can go and get some resources like that and it saves you a little bit of money so you can focus on something else that's also a priority, do it. Mm -hmm. You can also call some of your creditors. Call the credit card companies and say, hey, this is a situation that's going on. What can you do for me? You can actually ask them to uh, freeze your account for six months. Oh, wow. You can. Not everyone's going to say yes. There are going to be some that are going to try and play games. Mm -hmm. But you can ask them to freeze your account for six months. Some of them will even lower your interest rate so that you can start paying some stuff off. But you can ask them to freeze your account for six months. It makes it to where you can't use it, but it also doesn't hurt your credit, Okay. right? And they might be able to work through a different payment situation with you as well. Mm -hmm. Car companies, if you have a car loan, you can call them and ask them um, if they can, uh, there's a couple of different things they can do, right? So they can either, um, Take a payment or two and put it on the back end of your loan and extend your loan out a little bit. They can reduce your payment and add it on. So they can reduce it for maybe like three months. And then the next three months, your payments would be double, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If that if that was something that was possible for you. Another thing that they can do is sort of like a streamlined refinance, so to speak, where it's internal to them to where they can refinance your loan to give you a lower interest rate, which give, gives you a lower payment. It'll it kind of extend your loan out a little bit more, but it's not having to mess with your credit at all, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, mortgage companies are a bit trickier to deal with, unfortunately. The situation is not ideal when it comes to mortgages. You pretty much 
the only time they can help you is if you go into default. Mm. And of course, if you have, you're paying rent, you know, kind of similar situations. And that's why shelter is priority number one mm -hmm. for your, whatever you're paying. Yes. Sometimes in these situations, you can end up having missed payments on things and it can hurt your credit. But if you've got shelter, you've got food, you can get to work and your lights are on, focus on that. Mm -hmm. And yeah. once you get your footing, then you can get yourself back together on the other things. Yeah. So, um, you know, you mentioned about going to the food, the food bank. Um, I, you know, I have also like when I was going through everything with my kids and I was homeless, we did, I mean, to, I did have like cash assistance and, and we mm -hmm. did have Medicaid and, you know, we had like those benefits, um, you know, it was only for a short period of time, right. but it was, you know, to help that boost of getting over the hump of things so that once I was on my feet, we could, you know, I could, you know, provide for my family. And those are such huge um, benefits. They're just, they're out there and they are available. You know, you do have to apply for them and, and, but, they, they're not meant for a, to sustain a, a, a sustenance, uh, you know, forever. Um, right. But they are definitely, uh, they're out there. There's, like you said, there's food banks through churches and different community organizations. Um, I remember when I went to go start applying for jobs, I didn't have any clothing, any, you know, because I basically just took bare minimum of what I needed and I didn't have any dress clothes or anything. Um, and I do remember going to, um, there was a place called the center for women in transition that, that did, you know, supply me like clothing. So some dress clothes, so I could yeah. look professional when I went to, for my job interviews. Um, but there's no shame in any of that because, you know, when you're in a situation like you were, like I have been, like so many people have been, these, um, these organizations are there to help. They're there to, um, and I, and I believe that, you know, in a way that's God's provision, you know, it's not something that I'm meant to stay on for the rest of my life or, you know, have my kids and everybody on welfare, but you know, these are meant to, these are programs that are meant to help. Um, and I think that they are a huge benefit. Um, and you know, I think my dad would tell us, um, that when he was younger, um, so he, he was born, um, just about this time of the great depression. And he said that they would post people's names in the newspaper mm. that were receiving assistance um, from the government, wow. um, which, you know, back then they had like poor houses and, but they, they also um, had people, they had jobs. I know this is totally off topic, but, <laughs> but the people that were receiving assistance, they were expected to do things like, you know, help sweep, sweep the streets and, you know, keep the, the community areas, um, you know, well, like the lawns manicured and, you know, leaves picked up and all that stuff. Um, but anyway, so how would you um, incorporate faith in your finances? What is your um, thought on that? Hmm. There's so many directions I can go with this. Um, well, first I'll say this, when we were just talking about, um, you know, getting assistance through like the food bank and, um, you know, uh, clothing closets and things like that, or resources that, that help you with clothing and stuff. I was thinking about, if you look at the book of Acts, the very first church, 
Mm -hmm. If you remember how they started, basically everybody took all the resources they had, came together as a community. They lived as a community with everything that they had and helped one another out. Mm-hmm. That was the first church. Yeah. They, I mean, the way some people do it these days, there's more like cults and that's not what we're talking about. Right? <laughs> but, <laughs> but the very first church was a community of people coming together to support one another. You have something that I need. I have something that you need. Let's share. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so people who have been through certain things that have a heart for God or a heart for people and heart for serving, they start these organizations or they volunteer in these organizations and they have these resources because they know what it's like. They know what it feels like to be in need, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's their mission from God Mm -hmm. is to serve the people. And so if God is our provider, And he's put it on someone's heart to serve in one of these ministries or to start one of these ministries. And we're in need and we don't take advantage of that. Then we're not helping them to fulfill their mission. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So there's that piece. The other piece of it is all throughout scripture and not enough people talk about this. I, I will I will say I have been frustrated with the church many times because they focus more on give, 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 give. And they don't teach people enough about abundance, right? Mm-hmm. Scripture time and time again calls us into a life of abundance. Yes, giving is tied to abundance. Absolutely. But not in the sense that we have to give everything we have and that we're not allowed to be abundant. Mm-hmm. He said the, he wants to let our cups overflow. Mm-hmm. That's abundance. He said we're going to be, um, uh, do not be a slave to debt, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to be the lender and not the borrower. Right. Mm-hmm. These yep. are all scriptures. And no, I'm not quoting them exact, but it's there. Google it. I promise you. <laughs> it, it is, these are things that he has said over and over. And there's there's so many different variations about abundance over and over and over again. But yet we have this idea as believers in our mind that we're not allowed to be wealthy. We think about the young man who got who Jesus said. You know, if you want to be, you know, basically accepted into the kingdom, sell all your possessions. The reason he said that wasn't because he didn't want the guy to be wealthy. It was because his heart was tied to his possessions, mm-hmm. right? That's where yeah. it becomes the issue, right? The love of money is the root of all evil, not money itself. Money is not the problem. It's your heart. Where's mm-hmm. your heart at? right? So when we're so tied to our possessions, so tied to this big house we have, so tied to, I got to get my nails done. I got to go to the salon every six weeks. I got to have the nice shoes. I got to have the nice clothes, the nice bags, 
my kids have to have the top tier of everything. We're so focused on all those things. Mm -hmm. It's a hard issue. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I know this is not what one of pe people want to hear right now. I'm coming with all the love in the earth. I'm coming with my own experience because I have been that person. And don't get me wrong. Sometimes I still splurge a little, but I'm more mindful about it now. And I start to think about, okay, why do I want this? And it's okay to splurge on yourself sometimes. Balance it out. Mm -hmm. right? Balance it out. The other thing I think about, let's look at it from the business perspective for a second. Because there's a lot of women that, oh, people, but I see it more with women than anything, that believe, because they're a believer, that they can't charge for their services or their products, right? Mm -hmm. Who was the Proverbs 31 woman? What did she do? What didn't she do is a better question. <laughs> Correct. Exactly, right? Yes, she was a wife of noble character. She was patient. She was kind. She was loving. She took care of her household. How did she take care of her household? She worked. She cleaned. She did things like that, right? But she also worked with her hands. It said she was like merchant ships bringing things to and from, right? Mm -hmm. She used the skills, the knowledge, the resources, the insight that God gave her. And she brought money into her household. Mm -hmm. That's a businesswoman. Yep. That yeah, is so she considers, yeah, so she considers a field and buys it. Exactly. Exactly. So tell me. Where it says in scripture that a person, specifically a woman, cannot use the gifts that God gave her to have a business, make some money, and bring them into her household. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't see where you can. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. And I and I feel like so much of the church so for so many um for so many generations, uh, the, the message of the church has been, you know, blessed are the poor, mm. not the poor in heart. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It says the poor in spirit, poor in heart. It, it, that's not, that's not literal poor. That's, mm -hmm. it, it's more of the context of when you're at your weakest moment, you are the most blessed. Mm -hmm. You are the most blessed. Because you have access to all the resources that God has. And guess what? He owns everything. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. So you're blessed because you have access to everything that he has. Mm -hmm. you're, you're not without. It feels like you're without. And you may not have the insight or knowledge or resources right in that moment. When we have that faith and we trust in him and we we are in tune to the Holy Spirit and we ask, it says, ask and you shall receive, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. And just keep working. And and I, I have to throw this one here in here too. The uh, faith without works is dead part. Like you can't just ask for something and not do something behind it. If you're asking for help with your finances, but yet not trying to manage them well, there's, there's, 
there's an imbalance there, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so we got to work on that piece. Well, um, you know, I, feel like I kind of went off on a tangent there. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, but that's a that's a great point because so many people think that you know God is just this you know prayer to from us to God is just this vending machine. You know, I right. pray and I ask for this and God gives me this. I pray, ask for this, God gives it to me. Or people try to manifest stuff where they're just like, I'm just going to like say these positive words and say these positive words. Well, you know, God's not just there handing stuff out. He's more important. He is more concerned with our heart and mm -hmm. what's going on in our heart than giving us everything that we possibly could, you know, just in a whim ask him for you know, it's just like your kids, like you don't want to give them everything because oh God knows how much stuff you'd have piled up in their room. You know, <laughs> um, there's got to be some wisdom. There's got to be a thought like, okay, what am I teaching them? Mm -hmm. If I just give them everything they could possibly want, then why do they have need for me? Right, right. And you, you brought up, um, uh, you mentioned the word, uh, something about, you know, manifestation and how we you know, kind of speak the positive words and things like that. And the thing that I've been, I've been talking to some of my clients about this a lot more lately, because I noticed the trend of the negative terminology, right? The, I'll never be out of debt. I'm, I always struggle with managing my money. I can never figure this out. This is never going to work out, right? That's, people don't realize it. You're manifesting that negativity. Mm -hmm. manifestation no there are people that have differences on whether we should talk about manifestation as a believer or not but manifestation is literally just using your words to speak things into existence mm -hmm. and that is scriptural because it says speak things into existence as though they are not or i'm saying that incorrectly but i think you know where i was going with that one yeah. <laughs> um so when we, the words that we say are manifesting things in our life, whether it's positive or negative, right? Mm -hmm. So here's the, here's the bottom line. The way we think about a situation is going to determine how we feel about a situation, which is going to determine how we speak about a situation. Mm -hmm. As we start to work on changing the negative to the positive, instead of, I will never get out of debt. To say, you know what, this is, might take a little while, but I will eventually see the light of the end of the tunnel. Instead of, I cannot figure out this budgeting thing, I always get confused and frustrated and it's overwhelming. Instead of saying that, say, you know what, this sometimes is a little overwhelming, but if I have some help or if I sit down and, and when I'm a little bit more uh, or a little bit less stressed and, and a little bit more focused and try, you know, maybe I can figure it out right? Mm -hmm. Using terminology like that and saying positive things over our lives, what it's doing is it's manifesting the positive things, but at the same time, it's changing our heart mm -hmm. because it's changing our mind, which is changing how we feel, mm -hmm. right? So it's going, it's going backwards basically, yeah. right? And, and working on the inside, which is changing our thoughts mm -hmm. and will create a new cycle of positivity. And as we're doing those things, we start to act differently. So we start mm -hmm. to 
manage our money better. We start to make better spending decisions. We start to say no to things that aren't beneficial for us, right? And so there comes the works piece mm -hmm. because we're already working on the inside and changing our heart. The works piece is going to come naturally. Yeah. Well, it's, it's the same like, so manifestation for me is more of like, I think about like declaring, declaring what is true about me right. and using the scripture and, and basically coming into agreement with what God has already said about me. That I am the head and not the tail. I'm the top and not the bottom. That, you know, I lend to many and borrow from none. And like my debts are canceled, you know, like just start speaking that sort of thing mm -hmm. over your life and speaking God's word, you know, because there's power in those words. Yeah. And like you said, it starts to change the way that you see yourself. It changes the way that you walk. It changes the yeah. way that you, um, you know, the, the scripture says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. So yeah. if you're, if you're constantly thinking, I'm not enough, I can't make this, this is, this is, I can't take one more day of this job or whatever. And you will act on that. You know, I watch it, you know, at, at work every day because what I do is not easy. And so I have like nursing, uh, um, medical assistants and nurses that are helping me. And the ones that have the bad attitudes are the ones that they basically are. It's like, they're almost trying to get fired. Mm -hmm. It's like, they are so negative and they are like, are making mistakes. And they're just like, oh, you know, like, like the whole world is against them. But like, when we start to speak that positive, you know, and, and declaring, okay, that, you know, I, I walk in victory, you know, I am blessed. Um, and I am furnished in abundance for every good deed and charitable donation, whether that's of my time, whether that's of my words that I'm sharing with someone, whether that's, you know, a, a, you know, financial or physical, whatever it is. Um, you know, if we start speaking those things, like you said, you change who you see yourself as. Yeah. So that's pretty awesome. So how could my, um, listeners get in touch with you if they are looking for um, somebody to help them um, be, you know, I call you, you're a coach, but you're almost like cheerleader through all this, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, pretty much. On, you know, like you can do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, how do they get a hold of you and, and what kind of uh, resources do you have available? Yeah. So there's, I, I feel like there's too many ways to get a hold of me because I am literally everywhere. <laughs> I've gotten into all the social media things because I felt like it was necessary. So um, on almost every social media platform, it's just dr.michellemarie. Um, LinkedIn, it's um, Dr. Michelle Lappin. And I think that's really the only difference. Um, but mostly, I'm probably more easily found on Instagram or my Facebook business page, which are both um, at dr.michellemarie. Now, you could also check out my website. Um, it's www.drmichellemarie.com. I have some free resources on my website, a couple of different um, freebies there. I also have a monthly workshop that I do for free where I'm teaching basically the principles of financial management and uh, the debt payoff plan and a few other bonus things as well. 
that is, you can find that information on my website as well, or through the link in bio on my Instagram. Um, another thing that I have is a Facebook group. It's called Wealth Builders Unite. So if you just search that on Facebook, you should find, you should be able to find it. And I definitely provide content in there daily. Um, and then of course I have my podcast as well, which is called Bedroom Talks. Uh, it's easily found as Bedroom Talks on um, all major streaming, podcast streaming apps, but the subtitle is Get Financially Intimate. And so the con <laughs> concept behind that is to, you know, be more um, intimate with these financial conversations, have them more, be open, like get more comfortable with it, right? Because it's not a topic we talk about pretty regularly. Mm -mm. So, yeah. Yeah. People this... Um... People shy away from talking about their finances, kind of like burying their, their head in the yeah. sand thinking, oh, I don't want to think about it. And um, Wow. So that is a lot of value that you are offering. Just hugely <laughs> valuable. I mean, the workshops and stuff that you have for free, that's amazing. Um, yeah. So if any of you are listening and you need some help, head on over to, you said at Michelle, uh, at drmichellemarie.com. Is that right? Marie is on most social media um, website, uh, www.drmichellemarie.com. So the website is without the period. Social media is with the period. Okay. Yep. Well, thank you so much for your time today. This has been just a great conversation. I've learned yes. so much. Um, and I love hearing your heart and what God's doing in you and through you and, and these incredible I'm telling you, those are some invaluable resources that you have out there. And um, I'm excited to look at them myself. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, it's been a pleasure and just love conversations that just, you know, flow freely. It brings me joy. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here. Um, and again, if any of you want to go on over to Michelle's um website or Instagram or Facebook. I will post all of those in the show notes so you can easily access them if you didn't catch them the first time around. So um, just want to thank you all for being here with us today and um, hope you have a great rest of your week. Be blessed. Hey, before you go, make sure you click and subscribe to the podcast so you'll never miss an episode. Also, make sure you go over to our Facebook group, Unstoppable Joy, your roadmap to a joy-filled life where you can find other like-minded individuals who are also on their journey to finding a life of unstoppable joy. Click the link below or in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Be blessed.